It's time for episode 109 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Thursday, October 22nd, 2015, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the 30-minute-long technology podcast occasionally recorded remotely from strange locations in hotel rooms. <laughs> As it is this week, I am your host, Jason Snell, and I'm going to introduce my wonderful guest, Dan Morin Gets the Week Off. Lucky Dan. Hi, Dan. To my left, it is Relay FM co-founder Stephen Hackett and my co-host on the Liftoff podcast. Hello. Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. We're in Indiana. We are. There's a... Uh... It's it's a state apparently. It's it's a real place it is in the midsection of the country. Yes. Uh, to your left is also a co-founder of Relay FM and my co-host on the Upgrade Podcast, Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello, Jason. You're extending your lead as the most uh, common guest on uh, Real, on uh, Clockwise. I'm trying to push Dan out. Yeah, that's that's the goal. It's clear. Mm-hmm. It's clear. We'll see. Hi, Dan. Uh, and to your <laughs> left, a first-time Clockwise guest. You know him as underscore. David Smith. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to watch the clock. <laughs> That's right. Well, keep watching it. That's what you need to do. Um, since I am uh, the only host of the show this week, I will go first. And uh, my topic is uh, last week the uh, Apple Apple the Apple released <laughs> the uh, the peripherals for the computers. Did you know about computers? Have you seen the computers? <laughs> I've heard about them. Uh, I think they're the future. Um, the Magic Trackpad Two, the Magic Mouse Two, and the Magic Keyboard. And my question is not uh, to sort of punditize on it as we as we've done uh, over the last week, but uh, just personally for you. Uh, of all of those, what will you buy or have you bought of all the new peripherals and why? Stephen? Uh, I have purchased. So I used the Apple Bluetooth wireless keyboard that predated the, the non-magic one, I guess. Um, <laughs> the so, mundane yeah, keyboard. Yeah, the, the muggle keyboard. The muggle keyboard. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I've bought the, the magic keyboard and the magic uh, trackpad too. I'm not a big trackpad user. I use the Logitech uh, Master, whatever the name of that mouse is. Um so not a big trackpad user like I know you are, but uh, I like both, and the, I really actually really like the keyboard a lot. What about you, Michael? I bought all of them. <laughs> there it is. So, of course you did. Well, wow. I was buying a new iMac, right? And I was already up to like 2,800 pounds, and it was like, what input device do you want? And it's like, would you like mm-hmm. one or the other or both for an extra 50 quid? And I was like, okay, I'll get them all. So I just try them all because at the moment I'm, I'm having some RSI problems, so I'm trying to work out some new devices for me and I'm going to just get them all a while. I'm interested in trying the trackpad. I do use the trackpad for audio editing, so I use it to zoom in and pan around. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's like. Um, and I probably won't use the keyboard, but it comes with one. Like you don't, right. that, it just comes for free. And then I just add it on the trackpad and the mouse. So I'll be trying them out next week. All right. Well, we should talk about that on another program. On upgrade? Perhaps. Perhaps. David, what about you? I do not expect to buy any of them. And in my experience, those Apple's peripherals always seem very small and cramped, which is the last thing I want in my input devices, like for RSI reasons, for comfort reasons. I always like nice big, like a, a nice big mouse that feels like I'm holding, I can hold on to it, and a big keyboard that has nice big keys and things. And so, these aren't for me. Oh, interesting. I, I've I've found that um, I like the keyboard. I'm not sure I will 
I will buy one because although I think it is pretty good, uh, there are a bunch of other good keyboards too. And and uh, I'm just happy that it's you know not the MacBook keyboard and it's a little bit better than that. It's got the one millimeter of travel instead of half a millimeter that the MacBook has. Uh, but I will definitely buy a Magic Trackpad too, just because that's my input device. I use a Magic Trackpad today, um, and I uh, the Magic Trackpad too has more surface area and it's got the force click thing happening, and uh, that's all, it's all good. And I it doesn't bother me that it's white. Which I know bothers some people because the bothers old one me. was silver, but well, it bothers you, huh? Yeah, because none, nothing else on my iMac is white. Uh, the keycaps on the keyboard that go, I probably the, won't use it. Yeah, see, think, that's what they color matched. Yeah, they should have made it black. They matched the iMac. Black would be cool. <laughs> Mate, next year, <laughs> color <Black> choices, <laughs> trackpad color choices. And they'll charge Rose gold. They'll charge twenty dollars more just because <laughs> yep. it's black. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I. Wow, this is that's a million dollar idea, Mike. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, Stephen, what's your topic? Uh, my topic is the new Apple TV. Tim Cook uh, made a little bit of an announcement the other night at the. I have to get all these letters right. WSJD yeah. conference. Um. And saying that the Apple TV would be on pre-order uh, on Monday and then would ship would ship this week. So, in in the in the vein of Jason's question, I want to ask you guys what you think about that if you're going to be ordering one. But also, uh, just last night, Apple opened up submissions for TV OS apps, uh, so developers can be submitting their applications and uh, and getting that app store kind of pre-populated. So when you unbox your Apple TV. Uh, you can go check out some third-party apps. So are you guys excited about the Apple TV, something that you're interested in uh, owning or, or working on? I'm trying so hard to care, and I'm struggling. Like, the Apple TV just doesn't excite me as a product. And it's because I don't, you know, I don't really watch a lot of TV. When I do watch TV, I don't watch it on the TV. I watch it on a laptop in bed. Me and Federico share this, not that ex- Hey. Yeah. <laughs> we both do this, not together. Uh, but just, I'm thinking that the only thing I might want it for is just to see what the app platform is like. But I'm not interested really in the games because I don't think they'll be deep enough. And I don't, I personally don't believe that the remote is going to be a good enough experience to play games with. So, uh, considering that it's going to be relatively cheap, especially for an Apple product, right? It's like $100 or something like that. Um, 129? It's 120. I think it depends on the, the size disc you get as well, well which, is, like, which is confusing. Yeah. But. But it's because of that price, I might just get it so I so I can intelligently talk about it. But as a consumer, I I have no desire for this product. Yeah, and I think as a developer, it's a weird platform because I'm I'm very skeptical in many ways about how widely it's going to be adopted. Um, because it's a very different type of product. Like it's a thing. Like your AV setup at home is a, tends to be a fairly stable thing that has lots of appliances that last for a very long time and so having as a developer looking at it to you know should i make an app for it it's my suspicion is that the volumes on it are going to be relatively low for quite a while and especially because they're the apps are designed to be bundled with existing apps there's not a lot of necessarily financial gain in getting onto it and so i'm curious about it but not particularly um, engaged at it at this point because I think it makes sense if you're like a big media company or someone who needs an app for a front end for a big catalog. But otherwise, I'm not sure there's a, as great of a story about it. We've got, uh, you know, we've got a, a couple Apple TVs in our house, and I will, I will definitely buy one um, because I'm curious about the product, obviously. But also, um, we've got a lot of iTunes content, and although we have a TiVo, and the TiVo lets us access Netflix and Amazon. Um, 
it is you know i'm looking forward to the apple tv interface and and experiencing it and uh you know it's not this is the challenge though is there are so many different boxes that do a lot of this stuff that the way the apple tv is going to have to differentiate itself i feel like is is in the apps and having them be you know more interesting and powerful and intelligent than maybe your generic web app like the tivo apps i think are all drawn driven through like opera so they're basically html apps that are that are running as as web apps and you know it works fine and netflix got to build their web app interface and execute it everywhere Uh, but for the companies that build uh, interesting innovative apps on the new apple tv platform that could be that could be the thing that puts it over the top, whether it's video apps or games. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But um, but the Apple TV is much less central in my life. I mean, I kind of mo- have moved on from it. So it's going to be some work for it to get me back. Yeah, you know, talking about it being different from all these other products. You look at things like the Roku or uh, I mean, a lot of products that stream these services. For us uh, in our household, it is the iTunes, like the iTunes Store, and having the iTunes content is. The reason to pick up an Apple TV because we, you know, we've got young kids and there's so much stuff that it's just easier to get it on iTunes even through the Apple TV and we own a lot of stuff that's in that ecosystem. So, uh, and it's the interface to our TV. I mean, like we don't we don't pay for cable, so it's the Apple TV is our television experience at home, and anything that can make that uh, better and more engaging, uh, I'm excited about. So I'll be I'll be pre-ordering uh, when that uh, the store slash not store page. Yes. Uh, goes up on when the Monday. page on Apple's website gets <laughs> yeah. a buy button. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Uh, but yeah, so I'll, I'll be ordering, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what they've done with it and what third-party developers can do with it as well. Right, we're all we all will look at David Smith. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> see what he comes yeah. up. And with. I'm glad that they they did the developer program this year. I think that was a very clever move because of it's one of the few things they like. It's it's one of the levers that they usually don't pull on. Where we can well, if we give developers essentially free hardware. Like that can only help. It may not. How much it will help is we'll have to see, but it'll definitely help. Right. You know, the rumor is that they were going to give those away to everybody at WWDC, hmm. and then the the product got delayed, <laughs> and they still had the developer yeah. program hardware, yeah. so they they mailed it out, which yeah. is great for a dollar. Yeah, which I'm glad, and it, it's. I would love to see that be a precedent that is happens happens yeah. in the future. That I think, I think even think about things like the. I mean, the watch is a trickier one, but if they've done a similar thing there, I think it could have had a jump start of that process a little bit more aggressively. Cool. Well, that, that's two topics down. We've got two more topics to go here on Clockwise. Uh, it's halftime, and so I get to tell you about our halftime sponsor this week, which is Fracture. This episode of Clockwise brought to you by the good people at Fracture, the company that takes your favorite images and prints them directly onto glass for you to proudly display or give as gifts. I have many, many Fractures in my house in my office, lined up right next to my uh, computer and my uh, and my microphone and my my magic keyboard, <laughs> are uh, fractures of podcast art for me because that's a thing. Those are things that I make and I'm involved with. And I've got a little list. I got I got a couple new ones in. I got a robot or not in. Nice. I got a lift off. Yeah, me in. too. This just past week. And it's pretty. That's well. That's great art, and it looks fantastic on the fracture because it's printed on on glass. And then uh, to hang it, I just had to. Uh, screw a a, a a hole in the wall with and and hang it and boom it was done because it comes with all the mounting equipment you need it's already set up so there, there it could be there's nothing easier about getting it up there and it looks beautiful so uh we all I, i'm seeing nods which are really great on podcasts from from nodding nodding, nodding. thank nod, you nod. thank you for the for the nods uh the, you know this is 
yeah, it's a really great product. And uh, pe- people at Fracture want to say thank you to everybody out there who have been giving them a chance to print your favorite photos. Uh, it, the team at Fracture is super passionate about helping people display and celebrate their memories and accomplishments. And these beautiful glass prints are just a great way to do it. Um, they are uh, put together in their factory in Gainesville, Florida. That's Fractury, what Jason. Sorry. Fractury. It is a fractory. Yes. That's right. a pun. <laughs> Very important. Fractory. Thank you, pun. Uh, you, you're my like pun spotter. Yep. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're here. Uh, so here's, But here's a, a warning. They do this in the fractory in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, as a result, though... Uh, when there's a time of great demand, let's say the holidays, uh, their queue is going to fill up because they don't have some crazy place to outsource it to to do all of their all of their work. They do it themselves. So if you want to get some fracture prints, which make great gifts for the holidays, you might want to think about making those orders soon rather than waiting till the last minute. And they do make amazing gifts. So rescue those photos that are sitting in your photo library, on your hard drive, on Instagram, any place like that. Get them out on the wall where they can be a subject of conversation or you can just be walking down the hallway and go, oh, look, there's a baby picture. Isn't that awesome? Uh, that This is how you should be doing it. So here's what you do. You go to FractureMe.com. That's FractureMe.com. That is not a pun, unlike Fractory. <laughs> and use the code CLOCKWISE. You'll get 15% off your first order and support this show. So thank you so much to Fracture for ornamenting my office with podcasting trophies for supporting Relay FM and Clockwise. And don't forget to send pictures of your fractures when you get them. Thank you, Fracture. Thank you, Fracture. It's my turn now. It is, Mike. It is your turn. You've done this before. I have, apparently. So YouTube have announced something called YouTube Red, which is a big change in their business model. So for $9.99 a month or $12.99 on iOS, that's a whole topic for a different time, uh, you will be able to pay for YouTube to get no ads, You'll be able to get YouTube Music, which is a new service that they're launching, which will become bundled with Red. You'll be able to listen to music in the background, which you currently can't do with the YouTube app. You'll be able to save videos offline, and YouTube is saying that they're going to be passing on the majority of revenue from YouTube Red to their content creators. They're also going to make uh, original series part of this and PewDiePie you may know PewDiePie he's like the most successful YouTuber there is he is going to be doing the first original series and this is going to be launching in uh, the US in October and then throughout the rest of the year and into next year in other countries so David I'll start with you what are your thoughts about YouTube Red it seems very ambitious to want people to pay $120 a year to watch YouTube videos um, in a way that avoids ads, essentially, is from, I think for most people would be like the advantage for that. Um, and the other parts of it, offline or music, may or may not be relevant, depending on who you are. But like just to avoid watching the ads, that seems like a pretty big ask. I mean, it's, it's, I think especially when you're coming from a place that I mean, I think most people I know watch YouTube videos to pass time. Like it's a I'm bored at work. It's I'm just looking for something interesting to watch. And it's that type, that kind of much more casual and passive consumption that seems it's, it would seem weird in my mind to then pay for that in mm-hmm. a way that I think will be an it'll be an uphill battle for them to really get a lot of adoption on that because it's a pretty significant price. You know, it's, it's about the same cost as what it would be to have um, you know a Netflix membership or anything or some or something like that. And so it seems ambitious. I mean, anything anytime someone's trying something new to find a way for content creators to get paid. I'm, you know, on board, and I think that's cool, but it seems like an uphill battle to get there. 
I'm a little confused about how you know Google, which is an advertising company, has uh, decided to make a product whose primary feature is ad skipping. Uh, it just seems it's weird. It's a weird product, and the fact that you can you can also do offline viewing, and the fact that you that they're going to be originals makes it make a little bit more sense. Um, but I'm I'm really interested to see where this goes and whether the generation of people who do think of YouTube as television and my kids are in that at 11 and 14, my kids watch YouTube and they don't really watch TV uh, to speak of. And but are they gonna? want this stuff and want to pay for it do they really care about skipping ads are they going to want to see like the pewdiepie originals or other things like that will that drive it that actually makes more sense to me than the ad skipping part is that you're getting some original content that you can't otherwise get but you know it sounds like they want to be hulu kind of but not um and i'm not sure youtube can be hulu or netflix because it's youtube and uh i'm not sure whether this product just makes things more confusing Rather than being something that everybody, it doesn't it doesn't land and and make sense to me. Instead, it sort of like lands as a that's weird. It's like weird for Google, weird for YouTube, weird for consumers. Uh, YouTube's so powerful though that you know it could become wildly successful just because all they need is a tiny fraction of people to want to pay the money and. Uh, and that's good for you know that's good for Google and presumably it's good for the YouTubers. I, we'll have to see whether whether it's you know delivering them more money or whether it's actually a tool that delivers them less money than they would have gotten from the from their ad views. I don't know about that part. So I don't know. It's weird. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. But it's a non obvious thing, but such a huge initiative from such a huge website that it can't be ignored. I know we've all heard stories and we have friends in the industry that. Um, you know, have said that the advertising rates on YouTube are not very good, and the advertising works if you're big enough. But you know, I'm kind of curious about you know smaller uh, size channels, and like you know, what what is that income going to look like? Is that going to be good for for those sort of creators, or is it only going to be good for the really the top percenters, or is it just going to be a wash? And if it's a wash, then like I really, to Jason's point, it really seems weird. I mean, if they if they've thought it out and there is some sort of plan of, hey, if we do this, we can have more money in our pockets as Google, but also more money in the pockets of our content creators. Because without those people, like, without the people putting stuff on YouTube, YouTube doesn't matter, right? I mean, you look at, at other um, services like YouTube, I think about Flickr, right? Like Flickr was this really vibrant place and a lot of people abandoned it. And now, like, Flickr's still there, but the community's not there. And um, so YouTube needs those people to be making good stuff. And I hope that this rewards people for their work. And and, and I just, just reading about it and on the surface of it, I really worry about that, is that that not being the case, that it, at best it may make no difference to people and at worst it may actually be less income. But I think time will tell. And I think, you know, as it as it rolls out, I think it's, um, I think those sort of stories will begin to surface of, of what people's actual experience with it is beyond just the spreadsheet of whoever came up with, the, with that, that dollar amount. I think that, the $10 amount is given too much for it to make sense financially. So they're doing content support, like so you support the people you like. They're making shows like Netflix does, and they're doing a music streaming service like Apple Music or Spotify. I don't know how $10 pays for all of that. It seems like too much. So I'm going to be really interested, like you say, Stephen, to see how much money this majority is, because I don't know how YouTube could afford to do the rest of it. Um, and also then make enough money that they don't need to take their ad cut anymore. Because my understanding is they take quite a lot of money from the ad cut. So I'm really, really interested to see how it pans out. They've got that mad alphabet cash now, so 
can do whatever they want. I wonder if, like, you know, Jason, you were saying about how it doesn't really seem like a Google thing, that this could be the new Google. Like, you know, the idea of, like, it's not ads anymore, it's just making money. Yeah, although YouTube's still inside Google for now. Yeah, but, but it's like yeah. it's maybe it's, this is part of that shift because it is maybe really so. weird. Google is primarily an advertising company and now they've got a revenue model to strip ads yeah, it's from weird. one of their biggest ad platforms. Right, and, and, and as somebody who launched a product to remove ads from a from a free website with Macworld back in the day, uh, the first question your advertisers ask is, why are you saying that our... Uh, our ads are a thing that people will pay to not see. It devalues and, them. And, and two, the people who are most excited about your content are the people who are more likely to pay, at which point now what you're selling us is the worst part of your audience to advertise against. And they don't like that either. Nope. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Of course, it also does... It means that people who have paid for this service will need to be logged in everywhere, which will also give them really good data about those people so on the like the, the more traditional google wants to know everything about everything side of things mm. there so you ads elsewhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> that they it, it, you know you obviously if you if you're not logged in you're not going to be skipping ads and getting all your benefits so it's another it's a good little point. hook that they can have to keep make sure that you're always logged in all right mike good topic thank you and uh, we'll move on to the number four topic mr smith what do you have so, I think it was yesterday, the iOS 9.1 and watchOS 2.0.1 updates came out. And what struck me as interesting and remarkable about that is, you know, it's been now about a month since iOS 9 was first launched. And we've had three updates to iOS 9 and one update to the watch in relatively short order. And the approach they seem to be taking now is doing much more... Not necessarily bug fix updates, but they're doing a lot more frequent updates, updates quicker and sooner for smaller issues that they're not necessarily doing this big monolithic model that um, I think we've seen before. And I can only imagine that some of this might be related to all the discussions that went around with iOS 8 and the bugs and the issues and the challenges that it faced. And so far, this is making me hopeful. But I'm curious if uh, your all's experience has been better on iOS 9 versus iOS 8, if that if this sort of if you would say it is more stable more higher quality software or not uh i think i mean i see bugs in ios 9 but i've been encouraged that some of them got fixed with that first update and i haven't installed ios 9.1 yet but i'm hopeful that uh, more of them will be fixed and that's why i'm encouraged about this progression is that it makes me feel good like um, i'd much rather see them uh, iterating on ios 9 for a while rather than sort of like dropping it and on us and then running away and not seeing them again for another year. Uh, so I'm encouraged by it. There are still, you know, there's still weird bugs. What's funny is that every version of iOS seems to have bugs in different weird places. So there were some, you know, there's some weird keyboard bugs and there's a, a lock screen bug that I keep seeing where my password uh, entry field is, is like, 40 pixels off the side of the screen. It's, it's just some strange stuff. It's just fine. the other other it's day, I, I plugged in a, a charging cable and a Touch ID turned off. But then if I unplugged the charging cable, it came back on. So there are still bugs, but uh, so I don't know about that. I, I, I don't find them, they don't get in the way of, of me using it. Um, and I am encouraged by the fact that we're not just seeing bugs, but we're seeing bug fixes and that, uh, as well as new emojis, because that's a thing that people need. The, the new emoji is interesting, so I'm going to talk about that and not okay. answer the question. Uh, yes, it is more stable. There, I answered it. Uh, <laughs> the emoji thing is is kind of like a Trojan horse, right? So they added. Is you, there an emoji for a Trojan there, horse? There probably is now. Um, there's the one unicorn. For, there's one for a middle finger, which is amazing. I can't believe that one. So it, they support. I think it's Unicode seven and eight now. 
Um, and the genius of that is that there are people who don't care about bug fixes or don't understand or like, oh, I'll do it later. But when they start getting emoji that are so so yesterday, Mike who updated sent me one that I had, I had not updated my phone yet, and so it's a box with a question mark in it, like the little Mario Super Mario Brothers box that yeah. I probably butcher that description. Um, that will bother people, and that'll be like, oh, just update, and you'll see the new taco emoji, and like that's kind of brilliant that because people do care about that sort of stuff, and y- you know, yes, it wasn't ready for nine oh or whatever, but to put it in an update where they're putting a lot of other fixes, like it's kind of a nice little reward. Hey, if you update, you can send the uh, a taco and uh, middle finger uh, emoji blast to somebody. I'm so happy about the new emoji. <laughs> I updated and I sit next to David and we were just going through and I'm like, oh, look at that one. It's a race car. Look at this one. It's an old time microphone. Uh, I'm very excited about new emoji. And there's the money mouth guy, which I've wanted for a long time. Uh, so I'm glad that that's there. And an up down, upside down smiley face. I don't know why that exists. But anyway, to actually answer your question, <laughs> That's David, just a frown, really. Just but it's, it's, it's a smiley face, just upside down. Anyway, uh, I do feel that I'm a lot less frustrated with 9 than I was 7 and 8. Um, and even like I felt like I was frustrated by iOS 8 for its entire life. And I feel like 9 is more stable. Uh, I do see some strange things here and there, but I expect that. Like, I expect to see some problems, but not, like, my my phone doesn't reboot randomly anymore. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. all that kind of stuff is gone. Like, things that never should have shipped, like, that should never have happened. But yeah. my phone on 7 and 8 will just reboot all the time. Sure. And I don't ever want to see that. Like, it happens. I've had it happen a couple of times on 9, but you know when it's going to happen, right? You can feel it, like, just grinding <laughs> to a halt and bang. But, like... I do feel that 9 is better, and I am encouraged that they seem to be putting more and more work into updating it. I think it is a thing that Apple needed to do, and I think even just from a PR perspective, they need to show people that they're doing this because they've been getting hammered. Yeah, and they just need to keep adding emoji every update, and then the their adoption rates will be through the roof. Yep. Is the Live Long and Prosper Vulcan it it's, it's, now, it's, now it's visible? It's keyboard, yep. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I can. I've got that auto corrected. I, I did give the Vulcan salute here. The middle finger one. So. Oh, nice. So just choose wisely. Yep. Just, yeah. Mr. Spock compels you not to give the middle finger emoji. <laughs> Jason just reached over and started updating his phone right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Got to got to do it. Well, that was great. That's four topics down. We've got just enough time for it's. We actually have plenty of time because this is a live episode, and we all talk faster when we're all in the same place at the same time. That always seems to happen. Uh, here's my bonus question for you. Since we have this extra time, we are in. The state of Indiana, in the middle of these United States, Mike. Our topic is U.S. geography. <laughs> Ding. What name? Name another United States state that you've never been to, that you'd like to visit someday. Stephen, Wyoming. Why? <laughs> uh, the um, I've not spent a lot of time in the West. I've spent time on the West Coast, but not in the West. Best Coast. And uh, and um. <laughs> I would, I would like to see it, and something. I mean, Wyoming on all those kind of those states in that part of the country just seem really beautiful when you see images and video from there. And I would like to see that one day. All right, New York. You've never been to New York. I've never been to the Big Apple. I've never done that either. And I'm planning, hopefully, to go for my birthday. I really hope we would stump you, and you would say like Nova Scotia or something. That's not even <laughs> in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now wow, haven't been to New York. Haven't been to New York. Amazing. So I'm, I'm we're looking forward to that. I want to go uh, in the winter. I want to go in the snow. All right. 
Well, I advise you go when the, it's just snowed because let me tell you, the snow that's been there for a few days is I, not. People, every time I say mm-hmm. this, people tell me like it's disgusting. Dirty like, snow it's, is it's not, fine it's the in worst. the first like half an hour. Yeah, but that's pretty awesome yeah. when that happens. David, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, and I've never quite made oh, it. That's a good one because it's. I think the thing that fascinates me most about Hawaii is that it's still part of the United States, but I imagine it feels the least like the rest of the United States. Like it seems like this totally other world that's both from the geography and the weather and the environment as well as the people. Like it's its own little sort of microcosm of America. Mm-hmm. That just sounds fascinating. It's my favorite place in the world. Is Hawaii? I love it. I've been there many times. So I'm going to say New Mexico. New Mexico. <laughs> Any reason? Uh, <laughs> it's the only one left. Well, I, I've been to many states, but uh, New Mexico sounds beautiful. Albuquerque is supposed to be beautiful. Santa Fe is supposed to be you just spectacular. just want to find blue meth. Uh, it's possible. The, mount- the mountains, the, uh, the scenery, and it's one of the states that I haven't been to. And I've been to many of them. So I'm, that's, I'm just going to throw that out there all right uh so that's that wraps it up this edition of clockwise uh live from indianapolis indiana at the release notes podcast conference which is uh pretty neat it's not a conference about podcasts but the release notes podcast set this up uh i would like to thank my guests Stephen hackett thank you thank you jason it's always a pleasure to do one of these in person yes sir uh mike hurley you remain champion of guest stars on clockwise for for now forever and David Smith, uh, why don't you tell people what apps you uh, you you have in the app <laughs> we store? We have time, right? So we know <laughs> what they are. It would, it, would, it would take more than 30 minutes, but... Um, I use Pedometer Plus Plus. Yes, that's, I, one I was, I like. was, that's, that's one most people know me from. And if you like counting steps, that's it's a good thing, one. It's a good one for it. And when you hit your goal, there's confetti. It's really great. All right. And that's it for all of us here at Clockwise, including Dan, who's not here. Uh, all that is left is for us to remind you to watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. See you next week. Bye-bye.